Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Mark Faulkner with Red Wings beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll meet the top American prospect for the 2020 NHL Draft USA hockey defenseman Jake Sanderson, the son of former NHL forward Jeff Sanderson. But first, Ted, the Wings and Avalanche about to meet here at Little Caesars Arena. Your story today, are the Wings the worst ever? They're getting close. Percentage-wise, you have them as the third worst team. I'd be a little surprised, Mark, if they do wind I mean, they're going to come awfully close. But I have to think they're going to get three victories here in this month. But they're just indicative of what this season, how this season's gone. I mean, they're even in that neighborhood. It's just been a disastrous season from the get-go. That puts it all in perspective. And by the way, Red Wings Avalanche, not what it used to be, huh? Pretty one-sided now. And I'll tell you, this Colorado team's about as good as I've seen this year in, in the league. They a lot of speed, dynamic offensive pieces. They're just, you know, I mean, for a while there, the Wings had the, the majority over the Red over the Colorado, and it's kind of flipped over now, but but not, but not what the rivalry used to be, that's for sure. Now, you also talked to ESPN analyst Barry Melrose about these current Red Wings. He doesn't think the turnaround will happen for a long time no, either. No, he didn't. He did not, Mark. Ted, what surprised you most, though, about what Melrose was saying? Certainly, the Wings are light years away from a team like the Avalanche, who have been building over four or five years. They had a one-year right. drop-off, but they've had a lot of years with Landis Cog and McKinnon. They've been building for a long time. Uh, Melrose was interesting, Mark. He really was. I mean, be, being on that 85-86 team, he, had, he just shared some great anecdote stories about, oh, it was, it was a great group, great collection of guys, older guys. They just didn't win very many hockey games. So uh, he said, he, he often, he remarked a couple of times how difficult that season was. And he, he just said, these guys are going through a living hell, basically, right? I mean, when you get your brains beaten out every night like that, just not a whole lot of fun. He also, I mean, he said, you know, they have some foundational pieces to build upon, but let's be frank, it's going to take a long, long time. He said this team's a bad hockey team. It's going to take a while. Uh, They just haven't had a whole ton of success in the draft yet, and that's where they really have to hit on some people. he said, you know, they are what they are right now, and that's one of the worst hockey team in the league. One player who's certainly taken this to heart, all the losing, has been assistant captain Dylan Larkin. Here he is talking about a lack of back-checking and some other problems after Thursday's 7-1 loss to Minnesota. It's frustrating. Um, you know, the way we showed up, especially after a uh, uh, bad showing against New Jersey, just... Uh, we had a great practice yesterday. We, we worked extremely hard. Um, we were competitive, battling each other. Uh, we had a good feeling after that practice, and then just didn't show up today. Um, team that's fighting for a playoff spot, a great opportunity for the guys in this room to, uh, you know, try and disrupt their season and play a spoiler and, and you know, take something out of it. And we didn't do that. Uh, our goalies, we didn't show up for our goalies. We didn't back check. We didn't um, you know, cover back doors. Uh, just made it so easy on them to uh, generate chance after chance. And um, you know, it's, 
it's, it's extremely frustrating right now. Ted, there you have Dylan Larkin. And just a few minutes ago, Steve Eiserman was on the NHL Network and mentioned Larkin and some of the pieces in the AHL. He mentioned Zadina and Gustav Lindstrom received a lot of praise from Eiserman. But you were mentioning Melrose, the toll it took on him. Dylan Larkin, as you said, they're paid handsomely to handle these things, but are there any ramifications for a season like this? Yeah, Melrose actually made a couple of yeah. good points about how you can actually learn a lot from it. Mean, the thing Melrose took from it was he never wanted to go through a season like that again, be it in his coaching or, well, I think he played one or two more years after that, but he said he definitely took it into his coaching that did not want to ever go through a season like that. And he said he still lives with that axiom to this day. It's like he definitely learned that from that miserable 85, 86 season. He said they can learn these, this group can do the same. And actually Jeff Blaschel said the same thing the last couple days too, that you can definitely, if you don't learn from a season like this, you're never going to learn. I mean, you're just going to want to be better. You want to, you want to do everything you can your power to accumulate some victories. And, well, I mean, they're learning some tough, hard life lessons this year, for sure. We just mentioned the uh, Minnesota game. You were in Ottawa on Saturday for the 4-3 shootout loss. Afterwards, here's what newcomer Sam Gagne had to say about his second game with the team since being acquired in that Andreas Athanasiu trade from Edmonton. You know, we didn't like how uh, we were as a unit on um, uh, the other night. Um, you know, I thought we got you know a lot more looks tonight. We um, on the power play, I thought we were moving the puck a little better and, and hunting pucks down. And you know, Phil put a great shot there through, and uh, just got to get a piece of it. How much more comfortable did you feel in game two? Yeah, um, well, power play especially. I thought you know we were a little more cohesive as a unit, but um, yeah, I think uh, it's a process. Um, you know, you just got to keep building with the with the new team, and um, um, you know, I think I uh, have have more uh, than I did tonight, but uh, you just uh, keep pushing forward and keep trying to help the group, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can find a way to get some wins here. Ted, uh, Sam Gagne, he may just be here for a short period of time. He's a unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. What are your thoughts about what he might be able to do these final 15 games? He seems like a solid pro, Mark. I mean, nice guy. Obviously, he's been around the league a while, and and posted some decent stats. That'll be interesting to see. I think there might be a spot for him there next season. I mean, he has a good veteran presence, but at some point you're gonna to have to accumulate some tough, top elite talented players, either free agency or whatnot. So I'm not sure maybe they're not quite ready for that. those type of guys yet, but guys like Gagne, if he plays well here this final month, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they re-sign him for another year or two. One uh, update from practice today, Adam Ernie broke his hand during Saturday's game in Ottawa, meaning Ernie could miss the remainder of the season, which concludes April the 4th. Any thoughts on that? I think it was a disappointment, Mark. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the stats the last couple of years in Tampa, I think he had seven or eight goals last year. Played kind of a physical role on the fourth line. Frankly, I thought he was somewhat, compared to last year, Kind of a little bit of a disappointment. Only had two goals, and that was in one game. So, a physical presence, not really. I mean, that was, was kind of inconsistent. Frankly, I'd, I'd be interested to see if they resign him or not. He's a restricted free agent. I think they will. I mean, they need bodies, but I don't know. He's got, he's got a ways to go here.
Okay, time for our interview segment with the Sandersons. First defenseman, Jake Sanderson, and then his dad, Jeff. Okay, we're joined now by Jake Sanderson here at USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth. Welcome to the podcast, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me. A lot has happened since we spoke briefly before the All-American game here about three weeks ago. You were named the MVP of that game. You moved up to number 11 in the central scouting rankings, and you just won a silver medal at the under-18 Five Nations. A gold, of course, would have been better, but have you had a chance, Jake, to reflect on these last three weeks? Yeah, it's been a pretty exciting time, I guess. Um, a lot of events, I guess you could say, have been happening with like the central scouting, the midterm rankings, and then the all-American prospects game here at our home rink which was pretty exciting and then we just got back from Czech at that tournament and like you said gold would have been nice but I mean it was a good experience at Czech yeah. Let's talk a bit about that tournament um, statistically you had seven points in four games uh, three points in a 3-2 win a goal plus two and a 3-2 win over Russia two assists plus two and a 5-2 win over Sweden one goal minus one in the 3-1 loss against Finland. What was it like on the bigger ice surfaces in your defensive and offensive game? Yeah, I guess sometimes it's like a gift and a curse on the bigger ice time. Like if you have the puck, you have way more time and way more space. And then when you're defending, it's a lot harder because you've got to cover some more ground. But, I mean, personally, I like playing on the big ice just because you have more time and stuff. Representing your country, uh, Jake, the world's under-18 championship will be here. You just mentioned that team will be primarily made up of the national team development program club there's also the under 20 world championships way in the future next year in edmonton and red deer how important are those goals to um to play in those tournaments representing your country and moving forward in your in your career yeah absolutely you gotta kind of like take those events step by step and just focus on achieving one of those at a time and obviously um, with having the the U20 event in Edmonton, I have some family out there, so that'd be really exciting if I had the opportunity to go out there. How important then is this tournament coming up for fans who have a chance to come out and see some of the top uh, NHL prospects for the NHL draft in Montreal, but how are you viewing that tournament? You have some international experience, but certainly well, the scouts will be here. It sounds like one of the highlights of the season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely the highlights of the two years that we've been here. And it were, our team is especially lucky because usually this tournament is in somewhere in Europe or Sweden or Russia. But, like, we're so lucky that we're hosting it this year and all of our families can come out and watch. And it's a, it's a great spot to have it. Now, international hockey is also a good place to uh, start discussing your dad, Jeff Sanderson. He played for Canada. Uh, he was born in the Northwest Territories, now living in Calgary, like you said, maybe next year at the World Juniors. Uh, so your dad played in the World Juniors back in 93 with Canada. They finished fourth. He also won two gold medals at the World Championships in Italy and Finland. Overall, in 17 years, uh, 700 points, um, more goals and assists, 355 <laughs> goals, 345 assists. My question to you is, what do you remember because uh, about your dad's career? Because he played for eight different teams, and you were probably just old enough to catch maybe the end of his careers. Is, yeah. Would that be accurate? Yeah, very, yeah. I was like... I remember a bit of Edmonton, which is, I think, his last team. And I remember living in Phoenix a bit because my younger brother was born in Phoenix. And, yeah, I guess, like you said, I caught the latter half of his career. But, I mean, we, his jerseys are in our house in Whitefish, Montana. Every time we go there, I... I take a look at them. They're so cool. What else do you know about his career? Like, he was certainly one of the fastest skaters, I think second in the All-Star game one year. It's popular now, skating, but mm -hmm. your dad was that kind of player. He made it to the Stanley Cup final. 
Have you heard from other people telling you about your dad? Because I'm sure he doesn't probably talk a lot about himself. Yeah, the main part is probably just his skating and how fast he was and his ability to play. He had such a long career and stuff, like 18, 17 years. Like, that's far over the average career, I'm assuming, in the NHL. So that's very impressive. Now, tell us a bit about your dad and his influence on the three of you, uh, your brothers Ben and Sawyer. Um, I believe Ben plays for the Vernon Vipers and is going to Colorado College. Your younger brother, Sawyer, um, he's a forward, too. Somehow you wound up on defense. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how that happened. But can you tell us a bit about your dad? I did read a quote once where he said, I want to teach them as well. Like when he went back Mm -hmm. and left the Islanders, I'm not saying he developed you, but it sounded like he did have some things he wanted to teach you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, first, he was a dad. He wasn't a coach, and I think he's really good at that and, no, like, not freaking out about us, like, at us if we had a bad game or something. He's always, like, because he knows, like, how he, we would feel in that situation and stuff, so he's always very concerning about that. And I guess, yeah, we always, like, in the summer and stuff, he always gives us, like, training ideas. He wants to, like, pass on the, the stuff that he did to us. Any pluses or minuses being the son of an NHL player? I asked that of Ryder Rolston, your teammate from mm-hmm. the um, under... Um, I asked that of Ryder Rolston, one of your former teammates here, and he said there really are no downsides. Uh, his dad played with the Devils, of course. Pluses and minuses, have you been asked this question before? Have you given it much thought? I actually haven't been asked that question, but I don't think there's any minuses. Like, I think there's only minuses if you think there is and if you think there's a burden on you or something. But for me, I just, I'm like a sponge with him. I ask him a ton of questions and stuff, and he's, he's really good at that. Any other thoughts about uh, your dad and your mom's influence as you uh, head to the NHL draft in, in Montreal? It's still down the road. There's a mm-hmm. lot of steps along the way. But uh, what are your thoughts preparing for that for that draft? Yeah, I'm very excited. I, I really want to get invited to the draft and stuff, just to, like bring my whole family together so we could all go together because usually I don't, obviously my family, I don't live with them. So being, to, being together would be really nice for the weekend and stuff, especially at the exciting event like that. But yeah, I think it's a very exciting time, and I mean, there's still a long way to go, so I gotta put my head down and keep working. How about your role now, Jake, as captain of this team, the year after the historic team with Jack Hughes? How does it feel to be captain of this team, which by everyone's account, uh, are really hardworking, talented, mm-hmm. but certainly not to the level of, of last year? Yeah, it's very humbling being the captain of this team, and that's a huge honor I think the guys voted me as captain last year so I was like very excited about that and you know I love coming to the rink every day with this team love working out with them and seeing them at school it's very special can you tell me a bit about the role of captain um, Jake uh, your coach Seth Appert said that you're an explosive skater you can be mean physical block shots moves the puck our captain a winner the guys think the world of him kind of guy you want in your room those are all flattering things I'm just wondering I'm sure you're there to, um, you've had two years of experience now. You've had a chance to, to, to spend a lot of time here. So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about, about your role and what that means. Yeah, that's very flattering what they all said about me and stuff. Um, but personally, I just think I'm a guy that leads by example and how I how I show up every day at the rink and I, I bring my best to my teammates because I want to make them better as well as myself. And have you seen a lot of improvement from your teammates? Mm-hmm. Like, how's the team come along? Absolutely. I think the two years that we've been here, we've made huge steps, like individually and collectively. From last year, we weren't a... We weren't a great team. We were just trying to figure out our identity and stuff. And this year, I think we've really turned things around, especially 
with like the great spring training we had and the great summertime too. I think I can score, put up points for the team as well, but obviously defense is first. I got to take care of my own end as well. Tell me a bit about uh, North Dakota next year. We talked to Brad Berry, the coach of North Dakota, uh, at the time when they were number one in the in the country. And next year he was saying that one of the Red Wing draft picks, Cooper Moore, mm-hmm. whose uncle Dave Ellett played with Barry for five years in Winnipeg. He'll be there as well. So what are your thoughts about North Dakota next year? Oh, I'm super pumped. I went on my official visit in September with Tyler Clevin. He's also on our team. And we had a blast. I just love seeing and touring the rink and stuff and the campus. And I think it's it has all the components to, you know, to go to the next level in hockey, which is obviously the NHL with the, the amazing coaching staff and the facilities. Any final thoughts, Jake, about uh, these past three weeks and what's ahead of you? Some some scouts and, and some analysts say, oh, I don't know of his offensive upside or I don't know of this or that. I don't know if you even see those things. It's so hard to project players at certain ages, but yeah. I'm just wondering what your final thoughts are as you sort of, um, well, today, of course, you're getting ready for the team photo. You have practice time and then uh, regular schedules coming up. You've got school, all these things. So. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about where you are right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy like where I am right now as a player and stuff. Obviously, I want to keep exceeding my expectations and stuff. But honestly, I'm just trying to like have fun with my teammates these yeah. last couple of months because we won't be together anymore. And I think we have a really special group. So, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, the yeah. chance to because these are guys you spend a lot of time with. Absolutely. They're 23 of my best friends. So, Jake, thanks for your time uh, talking to us on the podcast. Good luck the rest of the season, and we'll uh, see you at the NHL yeah. Draft in Montreal. Yes, thank you so much. We're joined now by Jeff Sanderson, who played 17 years in the NHL, eight teams, 700 points, 1,104 games. His son, Jake, is the top American prospect ranked by Central Scouting for the 2020 NHL Draft. Jeff, when I talked to Jake about your career, Back in 2008, he remembers the end of your career with Edmonton. What he does remember most, he says, is being up at the home in Whitefish, Montana, seeing all your jerseys, so many of them. Can you tell me a bit about your career and how that may have influenced uh, Jake? Well, I I don't think Jake probably would have remembered uh, too much of my last, of my whole career. Um, He would have definitely, you know, he was, he was born when we played in, in Columbus. And from there we went to, you know, to Phoenix, you know, to Philadelphia, to Edmonton. So he, I think he has memories of, um, you know, definitely when we were in probably in Philadelphia and yeah. probably my last season yeah. uh, when we were with the Oilers. Um, but uh, you know, our, our home in Whitefish has always been a constant for Jake where we would always go spend months every year uh, getting ready for our next season. What do you make of Jake moving up in the rankings from further down, maybe in the first round, to moving up to number 11 now, Jeff? What are your thoughts about the strong MVP at the BioSteel, going over to the Czech Republic and winning a silver medal? What are your thoughts? They're only rankings, but he is the top-ranked American in the draft. Yeah, you know, we kind of talked about those rankings going into the season. And, uh, you know, even after the U-17 challenge last year, they have all these preliminary rankings. I just told him, I said, Jake, it's going to change. You know, he he came out of the U-17 ranked pretty high. I was just kind of more prepared him for what I thought would probably be a drop in the rankings once everything sorted out. Um, not just slight his player or anything, but just kind of prepare him for the disappointment of, of dropping in these rankings and how – um, irrelevant they are a year ago so um, am I surprised he's moved up not at all I've seen him you know seen his game over the last month 
and uh, I can't say I'm, I'm super surprised. He's, he's played really well, and he's definitely earned it. What do you think has improved in his game, Jeff? He's the captain. He feels like he can move up ice and take chances. His main role is still back on defense. But have you noticed any difference at all in his game, like you said, this last month or so? Well, I think he, uh, you know, his offensive game has really come along, and um, – that game's always been there. I, I know it's always been there. I, I know when he goes to the program, he wants to win. And for them to win games, you know, he has to play solid defense and battle in the corners and sacrifice uh, on the offensive side. And he's been fine with that. Um, I, you know, starting at the, the bio steel game, you know, he was skating with the puck. And then the U5 Nations, uh, uh, the Five Nations tournament in Czech here a couple weeks ago, um, you know, he had a really strong tournament and, um, you know, I think it's just probably been his emergence of his offensive game more than anything. Is that he's always been he rock solid positionally and defensively. Are there advantages to being the son of a NHL player? I asked Jake that question. I said, are there pluses or minuses, Jake? Because I had just asked the question of Ryder Rolston, his teammate the previous year, whose dad played with the Devils. And Ryder said, there's no negatives. And your son said, you know, Mark, I, I can't think of really any negatives. It's only positives. So my question is, how does that translate, being the son of a player, as best as you can tell? Well, obviously, I didn't, I don't, I didn't teach him much about his defensive posture in his <laughs> game. I mean, I really, growing up as a kid, and, you know, for me, we, I worked on, it, on all of my boys, edge work, skating, skating, edge work. Um, you know, pivots, tight turns, did all that kind of stuff. The, the defensive side of the game, I think, just really came natural to him. I, you know, as a youngster, first starting out, he wanted to be goalie and took a, took all we could do to discourage him to get him out of net. And, and uh, you know, for him to play on one team that he wanted to play in with his friends, the only position available was defense. So he played defense. And, um, you know, up until he was probably oh, 12, 13, you know, we didn't really – stress a lot of positional play you know mm -hmm. he played everywhere so are there things that can be taught are being taught right now at the highest levels but you mentioned words like pivots tight turns edges that ability to move left and right east and west can you talk a bit about what you may have tried to show them well I I think it came from just seeing kids get started in hockey and instantly progressing right into playing games without okay. learning the basic basic skills and the most important basic skill is skating and um you know i you know probably was a boring coach but the, honestly the first 20 minutes of every practice i've ever had with all my kids was always going up and down the ice doing edge work that's just the way it was and i taught the kids about their blades and their steel on the ice and and uh rockers and custom radius and you know all the you know kind of custom skating stuff that a lot of kids don't know. And I just wanted to make sure my kids knew how to skate properly and how to turn. And, um, sure. you know, if you want sure. to be, if you want to be a good hockey player, you have to be, you have to be an elite skater. What are your thoughts about how you learned how to skate then Jeff? I think one year in the NHL fastest skating, you finished second before it became more popular. Now is certainly one of your calling cards. Did you have somebody teach you the way you showed your children? Is yeah, my, yeah. My, my dad was a, you know, a college hockey player and I have memories, you know, living in the Northwest Territories and doing the same kind of stuff, edge work, you know, learning how to snow plow, um, 
just basic fundamentals and skating. You know, you don't just get right into, you know, doing your flow drills and, and uh, you know, scrimmages. It all started with, with edge work with my dad as well. And yeah. personally, I, I kind of, I never really was interested in power skating until probably my draft year when, uh, you know, when some of the knocks on me were my skating. And, you know, and I went to, you know, even through my pro career, I always worked on my skating, my edge work. I did the Audrey Bakewell power skating camps and, you know, I was always working on it. But what are your thoughts about a uh, defenseman being able to skate like that in this game now, nowadays? You know, one of the, not a secret, but one thing I learned, uh, you know, being obsessed with skating is the better you are at a back at skating backwards, the better you are going to be skating forwards. So all the power skating stuff that we always did, it involved a lot of backward skating, a lot of giant seat cuts going backwards. And, you know, it all kind of starts with backward skating. I grew up with lack of structure in okay. hockey. Okay. Grew, coming from where I came from, um, I didn't have a coach blowing the whistle, uh, screaming and structure in practice. And, and uh, I never grew up with that. And that's kind of the same flaw. I've had that philosophy when I coach kids, you know, the first 15 minutes on the ice, there's playtime. Let's go and burn your pipes out and have some fun. And, and then we'll work on stuff. I, you know, that was the way I kind of grew up and I just, you know, it's a, it's a way I've coached minor hockey my whole coaching career as well. What are your thoughts about, you know, some of the overbearing parents you see who live vicariously through their kids? You clearly are, are advocating the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I take a, a calm approach that your kids always, you know, they feed off your emotion. And if you, if you start losing control, the kids are going to lose control. And I, I just, you know, I've seen enough of these minor hockey coaches who, embarrass themselves behind the bench and I swore I would never be that guy <laughs> and uh I always preach that you know I, I never put a huge emphasis on winning I mean it's everybody plays let's have fun this is a game um if I've done my job in practice I shouldn't have to say a word during the game now is that something your dad taught you yeah my dad yeah was totally same same philosophy I can never remember my dad you know, um, you know, losing his composure behind the bench or yelling at the refs or, I mean, I, you know, I've coached probably the last 12 years of minor hockey. I've never gotten a penalty, never got thrown out of a game. I mean, it's, I've just seen, I've just seen so much of the, the extreme opposite that I just swore I'd never be that guy. I think that one thing that me and Alan have done with all our boys is the first thing you do is you just, you gotta, you, they gotta enjoy the game. They gotta love it. And if you push them too hard, put them in a level too high, they're not going to enjoy it as much. So, you know, Jake, especially, we held him back probably two, at least two times in his minor hockey career where he could have, he made higher teams, but we made a decision that, you know what, it's, we're not going to enjoy it uh, watching you struggle out there. So we pull him back, put him on a lower tier and, and uh, he excels. So yeah, we never, never pushed him uh, to the higher level if he wasn't ready the same it's the exact same way when we taught him how to ski you you're not going to ski a black diamond until you've got the blue runs mastered why then the uh, national development team program so in the past you guys sort of just made sure he was in the right spot why did this make sense to your family jeff well it it probably didn't make sense for our family structure because we knew we were going to miss him but uh, you know the seeing where he was at you know we left our we had a, a real open mindset about the tryouts. We're like, let's just go 
see what it's all about. And uh, we don't have to commit to anything. We just wanted to see. We didn't know anything much about it. So did the tryouts. And, you know, it, came, it really came down to it was a strictly a hockey decision. And for him he, and us, we decided that was his best hockey decision. He could have stayed home and played. But, you know, we see what the program has done for players. And I've now seen what it's done for Jake and, and what Coach Seth and Nick they've pushed him out of his comfort zone and into a, a level that, you know, to me, it's amazing what, what they've done with him. And, uh, you know, they pushed him to, uh, you know, an elite defenseman and I give them all the credit. I give the program all the credit. Do you have one example of pushing uh, uh, Jake out of his comfort zone? Well, I think in the training camp, <laughs> they, you know, <laughs> they get down there, you got 40 strangers and, uh, you know, their trainer calls out a couple names. They go to the mat and they wrestle. I mean, that's something Jake would have been terrified to do. And uh, not knowing these kids and getting down on the mat and wrestling. And I remember at the end of that, he's like, Dad, it was a little scary at first. But, you know, by the end of it, we had so much fun. And it was a, you know, secret little team building event and something that pushed Jake out of his, you know, something that we would never expect Jake to want to do. But, uh, you know, he went through the camp with flying colors. and. Um, yeah, like I said, I give the, the program's got a unique approach on, uh, you know, how they develop players, but it's proven, period. How about the differences, uh, Jeff, between last year and the Jack Hughes, eight first-rounders, 17 players taken, and then this new group of players, uh, led by your son and a lot of really good players will be drafted as well. There's quite a contrast in terms maybe of high-end, high-profile talent but I'm wondering what your thoughts are as you've seen Jake and his friends develop now and are maybe a month or two away from wrapping up their, uh, some of them, their careers here um, at USA Hockey Arena. Well, it's, it's hard to compare the two teams, obviously. They're, you know, the, that old one group is full of, you know, high-end, high-skill players. And, you know, the O2 group just doesn't have that that same luxury you know it's just a different birth year it's going to change every year but the growth that I've seen from last year to this year you know that team has uh you know faced adversity you know they've been knocked around you know there's a lot stronger team this year they're extremely tight group and uh you know they won one European tournament they they just finished second in the five nations thanks to a horrible scheduling by the you know the the host country mm -hmm. and uh you know and now I think they're in a good position to compete in the in the world championships coming up our team is not going to be favored to win gold and I think that everyone that knows this team is fine with that um what I've learned about our team and the way we play is you know you got to beat us you know we're not going to give you anything mm -hmm. you got to come out and beat us mm -hmm. and um you know I like our chances and, uh, you know, it's, it's not always the most skilled team that wins. Everybody knows that. Any final thoughts about your career? Um, uh, Jake talked a bit about Ben and Sawyer, um, your other sons coming up, and, and a little bit about your influence. We talked a bit about it. I just wonder if you have any final thoughts about um, this hockey family that we're learning about with, with Jake skating here nearby. Yeah. No, my only thoughts are is that this is this, – this is about Jake. You know, I feel bad that I get drug in all the time, but you know, it, it truly is all about Jake. And, 
Um, I want to keep it all about him. So I, that's why I try to stay, uh, you know, out of, out of his way. Jeff, thanks for sharing some time with us and uh, all the best with uh, your family, your sons, and heading into all these different events that are upcoming. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Mark. So there you have the Sandersons, including Jake Sanderson, the top American prospect. And looking ahead to the next two drafts, 2021, the top Americans who are expected to be in the top five include Luke Hughes, the younger brother of Quinn and Jack Hughes, along with the right-handed center, Chaz Lucius. 2022 is way in the future, but there's a player who made news this week. His name is Shane Wright. He's only 16. He just tied Connor McDavid's rookie OHL record with 66 points and 10 fewer games, and they still have the stretch run to go. He received exceptional status to play as a 15-year-old like Tavares and McDavid and Aaron Ekblad. He's a 6'1", 180-pound center with the front neck, so that's a pipe dream for Red Wings fans. The Oilers won the number one pick in 2010, 2012, 2015. For Red Wing fans though, those are, that's a long ways down the road, but there are some really good pieces. Mark, you've done your homework tonight, <laughs> my friend. I, I'm still trying to get a handle on the June's draft, so I'll take your word for it. Absolutely, yeah, it's a long ways down the road. And wrapping up, Ted, looking at the rest of the week, the Wings are starting this four game homestand against the Avalanche, Friday against the Hawks, Sunday against Tampa Bay and Tuesday against Carolina. The Wings tonight have 10 wins at home this year, the worst record ever since about 1950 when, as you were noting in your story, the NHL went to a 70-game schedule. The worst record at home was 10-26-4 back to that Eisenman year when he was injured. So, And interestingly enough, Ted, here at Little Caesars, the Wings have not been over 500, 16, 16, and 9, 17, 19, and 5. I think the roster has a lot to do with that, Mark. It's not been a very good roster in the last few years. They had the worst, I mean, not the worst, but statistically speaking, Mark, they have the toughest schedule from here on in in the league. Uh, there's no breathers whatsoever. I mean, they had their breathers this past week and lost by a cumulative, cumulative score. What was it? By, they got tripled by, I think, by those three teams. So. It is what it is. I mean, it's going to be a difficult go from here on in. Uh, the only bright spot tonight is Michael Hutchinson's playing a net for Colorado. So I think the betting line went way down after they after people heard about that. So who knows? Maybe they'll get a chance tonight. But if I remember right, I think Hutchinson's already beat them once this year in Toronto. So it'll be a difficult go. They always are. They always have been all season. Both teams just wrapping up their pre-game warm-up. That'll do it for today's podcast, our 20th Octopulse podcast. Our next podcast will be on Sunday when Steve Eisenman's old team, the Lightning, come to town. Ted, we'll see you then. Have a good week. You too, Mark.